Y'all ready to jump in? I'm excited. Today is called um, House of Miracles. We're on a series right now called The House. And the thing about the house is, you know, when you say that word, everybody has a different mentality. And we talked about last week what the house actually is. The house can represent a lot of things. The house can represent, you know, where you live, the physical structure that you're in. Uh, the house can represent you and your family. Because like me, I am the, the house of Jonathan and Jennifer Abels. And that's the kids and all of us are in that group. Um, you know, there's a, when you fill out an application, a lot of times it says household, how many in household? An individual can represent a house. This building is a house. It's the house of the Lord. You know, the, the house represents a nation. That's why we have the White House. It's the form of government that oversees our nation. Every city has a house. There, there's the house, the Lord's house. But then there's the, the corporate body of Christ, which is the Lord's house. You know, this house goes bigger and bigger and bigger. So when I'm preaching the house, I'm not preaching on your home or this building, I'm preaching where this is relevant to you. Because whether you know it or not, if you're a believer and you've accepted Jesus in your life, you are the Holy Spirit's house. Amen. It says you are the temple of the Holy Ghost. Amen. So in residing inside of you today is the very presence and spirit of God. And so whether you want to be a house or not, you are. You're housing something. So, amen, we're going to jump into, we're teaching different aspects of that. Last week we talked about building the house, the principles it takes to build a house. And the Bible says a wise man builds his house on a rock and the principles that God calls you to build it. Tonight, we're calling this one the um, house of miracles because God is a God of miracles. I love how God is not just this overseer in the sky and he's letting us do our thing and be our way. But God actually wants to be personally involved in your situation, in your life. He wants to actually be a part of what you're doing and what you're going through. He wants to actually be a part of your day-to-day living and your life. He don't want to be a God that you just come and worship in a church. He wants to be a part of your entire house. Your life outside of here. And so today we're talking about the God of miracles. A house of miracles. And I believe today, I want to share with you just so you know at the end. By the end, hopefully I want to give you a foolproof plan on how to get miracles activated in your life. Because we serve a miracle working God. And you guys still believe God does miracles. I'm telling you, the very fact that you're in this room means God still does miracles. Because there were several instances you should not have been sitting in this room today if it had not been the hand of God. You say, well, Kirk, what is a miracle? A miracle is a divine, um, a divine empowerment or a divine interaction from God involved in your life. It's, the, it's, it's, the, it's God actually having His hand involved in what's going on in your situation. And that's a miracle. Now, miracles come in all different shapes and sizes. There are miracles of raising from the dead. There are miracles of lame from walking. I mean, and they get bigger and bigger and bigger. I mean, there's actually, God is a God of miracles. And he was at one point able to stop the sun for 12 hours straight. Now, you say, well, Cricket, those are all good stories in the Bible. I was watching Discovery Channel the other day. And... Um, and it was amazing because they, they took the graphs. They were talking about how time and all, how they now can track time and all of those kind of things. And they would take how all the sun, the moon, the stars and all this stuff move. And they put it all into now computer models. And they're able to fast forward and go up thousands of years in time because of the movement and acting of the atmosphere. And they're able to predict and see things that are going to happen in the future simply by moving time forward by the rotations and the... Um, the, uh, I, I can't even think of the words, the rota, the orbits of planets and moons and all that. But then they figured out this. Not only can they not go forward, but then they can go backwards. So they started running the meter backwards, moving all the suns and everything. And what they were doing was they were starting to look for the, like the Christmas star. Uh, that's how we're able to predict that stuff. How many guys I got to see the Christmas star this year at Christmas? What? How cool was that? Me and my kids were all out waiting, 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 waiting for an hour and a half before it got dark. And then, boom, there it was. It was super cool. But, see, we only got to see that because they had predicted it was coming because they were move forward with the movement and orbits of planets, stars, and moons, and all that. But they were going back. And they were going back through events of history 
and, you know, talking about different times or like in the uh, Chinese manuscripts, how they would talk about weather was on certain days or where the moon was on certain days. And they got all the way back about 4,000 years ago. And they say they call it the missing 12. There were 12 hours missing. It's like the, all the computer models drove all the way back. But then, boom, something happened. And it's like the entire solar system quit moving. Well, if you're a believer and you know you serve a God of miracles, that's not an under, unrecognized or uh, it's not a mystery to us. Because you can look in the Bible and you can read when Joshua was in the middle of a battle, he looked up to the sky and said, God, please don't let the sun go down until I have complete victory. And the Bible says, God, stopped the sun. Your God can stop the universe. He can stop time. We say but a miracle working God. There is absolutely nothing too big for your God. There's absolutely nothing too small for your God. God is a God of miracles. And the very fact that God's a God of miracles, you need to know, miracles are His nature. God loves being involved in interacting. And anytime God is interacting in your life, anytime He's involved and He's interacting in your life, it's a miracle. I can tell you this. I was driving in last night. Um, my wife scheduled family pictures. And so um, I tried to get out of it. She said I couldn't. So I got here very late last night. But driving in, there was uh, multiple car wrecks. I passed about three car wrecks. There was a car wreck. One had went into the wood and a tree had fallen over and landed on the top of it. And me going down that road, I knew I serve a God of miracles that had kept those kind of things from happening because that could have been me at any minute. That could be you at any minute. If you're here today, the only reason why you're here is because there is a God of miracles and He is actively at work, working on your behalf. You say, well, Cricket, uh, you know, I don't even serve the God you're talking about. Well, you need to know this. You serve a God of miracles. He's been working behind the scenes in your life ever since you've been here, causing miracles to take place to even get you to being right here, right now. We serve a God of miracles. I, I think about the miracles in the Bible and I read through them. And the reason why God put those miracles and they told the stories in the Bible so that you would know what kind of God you serve. And I love that when you're going through them and reading the miracles, it's like, wow, God, you can do that. And wow, God, you can do that. And wow, God, you can do that. I want you to know there's nothing your God can't do. Nothing. And so when I read through the Bibles, I was thinking the other day, I wonder what my favorite miracle in the Bible would be. You know what? What would be my favorite? If I could do any miracle, what would that miracle be? You know, and I think, well, if one of my children died, I would love to be able to raise them from the dead. But I'd rather believe God's going to keep them alive. You know what I'm saying? And keep the miracle alive. Going, so I don't want that one. I don't want to be, I don't want to raise one of my children from the dead. Uh, you know, walking on water would be cool, but, you know, there's only so much you could do with it. Um, I was thinking the other day, but how cool would it be to be able to turn water into wine? I said, you know, that's probably the one I would choose because uh, it would make you extremely popular. You'd get invited to all the parties. You know what I'm saying? You get to hang out with all the cool people. I'm playing with you, but no, all the miracles. Think about it. When you're thinking about all the things that God can do, I want you to stop and think a minute in your own life. What miracles have God done for you? Because I'm telling you, the very fact that you're here, He has. But the problem is, the day we live in has the ability to change the way we feel and believe about certain things. Got up early this morning, getting things ready, and I ran to Walmart. And uh, when I got to Walmart, growing up, when you went to Walmart, you would go to Walmart, you would shop, and then when you come up to the front, there would be a checker to check you out. As a matter of fact, when I was in college, I was one of those checkers. People pull their card up here, and you would scan your stuff. You know, so I get up there this morning, pull up to the front, and they got 50... Checkout things, and there wasn't a single person at them. The only checkout things that were working were the what? Self-checkout, all right? If you're anywhere near my age, that was not a life concept growing up. You always had somebody doing it for you. I was in Dollar General the other day, and they done jumped up there. There was a self-checkout there. I was like, check that out. You know, I get to do my work everywhere I go. But so I was there this morning doing the checkout, and so nobody was there. I went up to push up to the cart and self-checkout, and there was that little camera. That's right there and says, you know, you're being watched. And we're watching how good you do because obviously they want to give me a job on how good I check out if they were still hiring cashiers. But they don't do that anymore. I was like, I sat there, looked at that camera. I'm like, 
you know, six o'clock in the morning, I'm looking pretty good. You know, and so I, I got to get around this angle and I get a look at myself. And then, then I saw the bald spot. So I tried to move to where you couldn't see it so good. And the lady says, can I help you? I said, no, ma'am, no, ma'am, I got it. I'm checking myself out. And uh, some of you will get that later, okay? But I had to put a lot of energy into that joke this morning. Jennifer won't go to um, Jennifer won't go to uh, grocery store stuff with me because she said I'm embarrassed in front of all the cashiers. But saying that, say this: I was in um, Home Depot the other day, and it obviously was a slow day there because I pull up to the thing and go to their self checkout. And one of the ladies runs say, "I'll check you out. I'll take care of it." And we were at the self checkout thing, but she started scanning all my stuff. And you know, and honestly, I'm so used to doing all that. It kind of made me feel a little awkward checking this lady checking my stuff out. And so it, it just kind of threw me off my game a little bit. Got my stuff checked out, left, got home. And when I got home, I get my stuff out of Home Depot, and I was missing a bag. And then I got mad. And I said, "Man." She messed me up. She come up and I would, I would have checked myself out, but she messed me up. And now she put that bag there and I didn't do it. So I didn't grab it. And I got to go all the way back up there. I was blaming her for something that we used to expect them to do. But times have changed. And so our belief systems and habits and thoughts have changed about it. And I was getting aggravated at a checker that was checking my stuff out simply because I've gotten used to things having to do it, my, do it myself. And so that's what I want to talk about with you today. You know, we've been around for a while. If you're in here today, you've been around here at least a day or two. And the fact of it is, because you've been around for a little while, we can get used to doing things differently than they used to be done. And in the Bible, people expected... God to show up and do miracles. But what happens nowadays is we get up and we start doing life the way we do it. And we start living life the way we live it. And a lot of times we move away from the habit of having a miracle working God involved in our lives. And we get to where we live the life the way we want to. And then when we get in trouble... We start trying to find God that can do a miracle to save us. I'm here to tell you, your God's bigger than a saving miracle worker. Your God is a miracle worker that wants to be involved in your life every single day. You can actually live a life miraculously. You can actually live a life that when you get up, the hand of God is evolved in your life causing miracles to take place going forward into your day to where you don't even have to get on the other side of a need before you need a miracle. God's going before you, the Bible says, supplying everything you need before you even need it. The problem is we get in such a habit of living life, getting God to save us out of mess instead of getting into life and letting God be who God is. And so I want to jump into this today. It's not going to be a long. Last week, I don't know if you've been tracking with me. Um, you know, on Wednesday nights, I'm doing the online Bible studies because we have the, all the different life groups here. And um, I ain't going to say their name, but they called me yesterday and said, man, you were very hard in that Bible study Wednesday night. How many of you guys joined with me and saw it? I was like, what do you mean hard? I was just teaching the Bible, you know. But um, it was. If you're wondering what on our life groups on Wednesday night, I tell you, it is an opportunity for you to grow. If you, if you don't know who we are as a church, Pastor Yvette is teaching Next Steps. And what it does is it's our doorway to membership, but it lets you know who we are, what we believe, and where we're going, and then how you can be a part of it. So on Wednesday nights, if you'd like to be a part, come to Next Steps. Pastor Jerry is teaching uh, Multiply, and it's uh, how to amplify and multiply your God-given gifts. You know, um, there are multiple Pastor uh, C.C. And Pastor Maurice are teaching marriage. If you want to know how to be married, if you're single, you know, and I'm playing, if you're already married and you want to have a better marriage, you can be in this class. But then me, what I'm teaching is spiritual discipleship. I'm teaching people how to go from just living to living extraordinary. Jesus took 
uh, 12 disciples that were working regular jobs, living a regular life, doing regular things. And in just three short years, he made them world changers. And you say, well, all he did was got them saved and filled with the Holy Spirit. No, he had to teach them some things along the way. So that's why he had them for three years. And as a matter of fact, there are 49 commandments in the Bible that Jesus personally taught. And so that's what we're doing on Wednesday night is going through those 49 commandments that Jesus taught that personally transform your life from this being somebody that's existing to being somebody who's a world changer. So that's my Wednesday night advertisement. But God's plan for your life is for you to actually go through this life empowered by the Holy Spirit, serving a miracle working God, and then God use you to do miracles. As a matter of fact, Jesus said this. He did all the miracles they did. He said, but see, you're going to do greater. Problem is, most of us don't even have God. We're just trying to trust and believe God will do them for us, much less us ever be used by God to be a part of changing someone else's story. You are the hand of God that God wants to use in somebody else's life. But if God's hand isn't involved in yours, you're not seeing the miraculous move on your behalf. I'm telling you, you can't be something that you're not. And so today I want to just jump in real quick. And like I say, it's not going to be a hard message. You may say, Cricket, I came on Sunday morning, you're preaching such a simple message. I hope it's simple because I hope you walk out of here with it. If you, if you want deep, jump on Wednesday night. <laughs> or if you want deep, I, I walked out of service last week just saying, man, I was way too hard on everybody. But uh, um, and, uh, I, I, there are some weeks that were deep. But this is probably one of the simplest concepts you can get your hands on. But it's probably one of the greatest concepts in the Bible that God wants to do in your life. So I'm going to jump to really what I call one of my favorite miracles in the Bible. And I've preached on it in a lot of different ways in the past, but I'm going to preach on it differently today. It's going to be found in 2 Kings chapter 4. I'm going to read the story, and then we're going to come back and break it down. I love this story because right before it, you got the prophet of God. Now, you got to understand in the Old Testament, the prophet of God was the voice of God, was the presence of God, and was the man of God all at the same time. Because, see, in the Old Testament, God wasn't there among them. He either used a prophet or his, his presence was in the tabernacle. In the New Testament, we live in the dispensation of grace. When Jesus came and paid the price, he paid our sin and therefore made us the righteousness of God in Christ so God can come and dwell among us. That's why I said Jesus called Emmanuel. God is with us now. In the Old Testament... Like, you could, if you wanted to be in the presence of God, you would get a prophet to come. If you needed to see the hand of God move, you would see a prophet come. Or if you needed to hear the voice of God, you would get a prophet. And so we pick up the story in a very powerful prophet in the Bible. We're picking up right in the middle of the story about Elijah. Now, Elijah was mightily used by God. And he did some amazing miracles. If you question whether or not your God is a miracle-working God, you ought to go through and read the story of Elijah and Elijah. I always say them backwards. I know the I, Elijah, is before the J, Elijah, because that's how it is in the alphabet. But it's the um, same point. There were two major prophets, and one God took away and then gave the one that was left a double portion. All right? So I'm just trying to lay it out for you, get your, hopefully get your um, interest paid. But we're picking up in the story of the of the second one that had the double portion. Now, in the chapter before this, you find the prophet dealing with three kings. I love that God has the ability to work in important people's lives. Amen? And then when you read down in 2 Kings 4, when you get to the bottom of that chapter, you see God dealing with a rich lady and causing miracles that happen in her life, somebody that's done something. Right in the middle of those two, you find a lady that I kind of more identify with because I'm not a king and I'm not real rich, but I'm just a person. And we pick up a story. God, although he cares about the influential and he cares about the successful, God also cares about those that are just trying to get through. And you may be here today and you're just trying to get through. I want you to know the same miracle working God that has done things for great people and the same miracle working God that has done things for what you would say are important people is the same God that wants to do something for you. He has no choice. He has no preference 
in class. He has no preference in skin. He has no preference in even character. He loves us all, and he wants his hand involved in your life, no matter where you are in life today. And here this story starts off saying, and a certain woman of wives, I'm sorry, a certain woman of the wife of the sons of the prophets cried out to Elijah saying, your servant, my husband is dead. And you know that your servant feared the Lord and the creditor is coming to, I'm sorry, you served for the Lord and your creditor is coming to, my papers are folded and the light's shadow on them. Um, the creditor is coming to take away my two sons to be slaves. So Elijah said to her, what shall I do for you? Tell me, what do you have in the house? And she said, your maidservant has nothing in the house but a jar of oil. And then he said, go borrow vessels from everywhere, from your neighbor's empty vessels. Do not gather just a few. And when you have come in, you shall shut the door behind you and your sons. Then pour it into those vessels and set aside the full ones. So she went from him and shut the door behind her and her sons who brought the vessels to her. She poured it out. And now it came to pass that when the vessels were full, that she said to her son, bring me some more vessels. And he said to her, there is not another vessel. So the oil ceased. And then she came and told the man of God. And he said, go sell the oil and pay your debt. And you and your sons live on the rest. Break this down in a story real quick. There was a lady who went through an extremely hard time. Her life has fallen apart. And she wasn't a bad lady. As a matter of fact, they were obviously Christians. They were obviously God-fearing people. They were a part of a church and a movement of God. As a matter of fact, they actually had a call of ministry on their family's life. And here they are going through life, living life, and then all of a sudden tragedy hits. And it doesn't just, they go through a bad situation. It was a bad enough tragedy. Life changed. And life changed. And when the, life, the, the tragedy hit at such a point, the life changed. Every dream, every goal, everything that she had planned on her life being, every picture of what she thought it would be now is completely in ruins. And then it gets worse because life kept happening. Although all of her dreams were smashed and her plans were gone, now she can't even afford to live. And because she can't afford to live, now her family is suffering for it. And in those days, if you didn't pay your bills, they could come and take your male sons and make them slaves to pay the debt off. Here we got a lady that obviously was of good character, good person, a part of a movement of God, but tragedy still hits. I want you to know something. Christians go through stuff too. But the difference between when a Christian goes through something and a non-believer goes through something is a non-believer has to go through it without God going through it with them. I tell you, I've been through some stuff. But I can tell you this too. I've never been through anything alone. God has been so faithful. You might be here today and you're going through something. You're saying, Craig, I've been trying to do everything right that I could. And man, everything around me is falling apart. I want you to know something. The difference in the right, the, we talked about last night, the wise man and the foolish man, they both built houses, but one of them built it on a rock. The same storm came, but the righteous man's or the wise man's house stood still. You're going to go through stuff, whether you're serving the Lord or not. But what you have to decide is, how do I want to go through it? Do I want to go through it and try to get through it on my own and have to make it work for me or get somebody to save me out of it? Or am I going to go through it with God? Because if you go through it with God, you need to understand the going through is completely different because God is not just someone we worship. He's someone that is a miracle working God that can make things happen in your life and for you and on your behalf that no one else could. The Bible says God can open doors no man can open. He can close doors that no man can shut. What other people go through, if you're, on with, if you're a believer and you're going through it with God, what may kill other people won't kill you. The best example, the best picture of it in the Bible is when you see Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego getting thrown into the fiery furnace. And when they go to get thrown into the fiery furnace, they're going into it, but they're believers. But the guards that were there before them were not believers. And the same fire that did not harm the believers killed the two guards. On Now, let me let you why I believe the guards were killed is because that's how the devil likes to work. The devil likes to work like this. When you're starting to go through something, the devil loves to show you people that didn't make it through it. I mean, the minute 
you get a cancer diagnosis. Everybody starts telling you, well, I had an aunt that had that and they didn't make it. I had a brother that had that. They didn't make it. The devil loves to tout those that didn't make it through the fire. But I'm here to tell you, you serve a miracle working God. And I know more people, more believers that have walked through the fire of cancer, but they walked through the fire of cancer not alone. They walked through it with Jesus on their side. I love when the Bible says when they went into that fiery furnace, they weren't in it alone. The miracle working Savior was there. And even even the unbelievers looked in and noticed, say, hey, there, there's somebody in that thing with them. When, when you're a believer and you've got God on your side, He's a miracle-working God, people will look at your situation and whether you can see Jesus in there or not. You know, not one time did it say Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego saw Jesus in there, but it was those that were watching what was happening to them saw Jesus was involved in this. You think, well, I can't see Jesus nowhere. Let me tell you something. I'm watching you going through it, and I know you're not strong enough to get through what you're going through. I know Jesus is in this thing with you. And so you don't have to seem to know he's there. You can just look around and say, are you still standing? If you're still standing, Jesus is there. Are you, are you getting burned up? No, Jesus is there. Let me tell you something. See, most people like to go, when they go through something, they think they got to go through it. This story is unique to me. And when I was praying about it this week, this is what it says. It says, a certain woman of the wise of the son of the prophets. One translation says this. It says her husband was of the company of prophets. Now, that piqued my curiosity. What, what is the company of prophets, all right? So, I mean, obviously, here, well, what the company of prophets were, at that time, there was a group of prophets that would follow along behind what you call the major prophets. And the group of prophets that would follow them, and you can even see it in the story of Elijah and Elijah, when, they would, when Elijah and Elijah were going through stuff, there was always this group of guys behind them that were staying at a distance, they had a call of God on their life, they had spiritual giftings, they had a relationship with God, but they didn't want to be up front and they didn't really want to be involved. They just wanted to be close enough to what was happening that they could call themselves a part of what was taking place. And here we have this guy that he was, he was, and they say there were many reasons, not want to knock them all along. So they say there were, they may have been a group of prophets because they were new at it. You know, they were, they were baby prophets, you know what I'm saying? They still had their training wheels on. So they stayed at a distance watching the major prophets be used by God, and they were learning. That could be true. You know, and the other ones were that they, weren't, they were too intimidated or afraid to step out and actually be used by God. So they, they would stay back because the price for that was too high. So they would just stay back, but they were powerless. We see this company of prophets in the story, in the story of Elijah when they were actually working around the river and one of them dropped his axe head in the water. And he had no power involved in his life to get that axe handle back. As a matter of fact, he was broke too because he had borrowed the axe. So now he was in trouble. And so I'm here to tell you, if you're keeping your walk with the Lord at a distance and you know God is calling you to go farther and be more, you're going to be powerless and you're going to be broke. It's just a matter of time. I'm telling you, that's the truth. And so they had to get Elijah to come and raise that candle to the head. But again, the Bible says that when Elijah was taken up in the whirlwind, it says the group of prophets were following behind, but they were not close enough to see. So when Elijah came back, he had told them where he went. They, they, they didn't know if the world went, just took him somewhere else, but they didn't get to see the power of God doing miracles that can't be explained. I'm here to tell you, this was a good family, but they just wasn't out front and they wasn't giving it everything they had. And it matters when you're giving everything you got to serve in the Lord. It matters. And then the Bible says this, it says, you know, that her husband died. And that is so tragic. And I can tell you this, that was not the will of God. Where was God at when that took place? Well, in the Old Testament, the prophets represented the hand, the voice, and the presence of God. Where was God at at it? A distance ahead. Because the company of prophets were hanging back. They were staying far. Because this prophet had the power to raise people from the dead. If you read on down in chapter 4, a little boy died. And the mother ran and got the prophet. And the prophet raised this boy from the dead. But when her husband died, she didn't go get the prophet. And then she went to a funeral. And, you know, the heartbreak and the 
devastation of going through a funeral. I mean, I've walked with many, many families. I can honestly say I've had loved ones die, but I've never had a close relative die yet. And I've walked with other families. I'm telling you, that is devastating. If you've lost a mother or father, if you've lost a mate or a child, man, I, I've seen it knock the wind out of people. Because it's real. and it, I mean, people always want to tell people, oh, be strong when you go. I've got to be honest with you. You can't go through that kind of stuff strong. What you got to do is go through that stuff holding on to Jesus. You got to go through that stuff clinging to the Holy Spirit because when you're weak, He is strong. But here she is. She lost her husband who she was in love with and planned to have a future with. And, you know, it, it looked, but where was God in all this? Oh, He was a distance ahead. They were comfortable staying back. And then it says the bills weren't paid for a while. She got behind in her bills. And, you know, that don't just happen overnight. When you get behind in your bills, it takes time. So there obviously was time taking place here. And the bills began to stack up. She got her final notices. Then they had shut things off. They still wanted their money, so they sent the creditors after them. So not only did every dream, every plan, every future goal she had with her husband and family was gone, now... Her situation had gotten so bad credit-wise that even her kid's future was about to be taken. This lady was going through a lot. A lot. And what shocks me about this is this. Why did it take her so long to go find the prophet of God? Why did it take her getting to the bottom before she decided to say, God, I need you to help me? I mean, I don't know about you, but I've said this a million times. Man, I've done everything I can do. Now I guess all I can do is pray. Why is that our nature? Why is it our nature to try to hold all this stuff together and try to just... Because what happens is we, we allow times and things to convince us that this is just life and life is just this way. And if I can just go through this and get through this, I, I don't expect any better. I, you know, eventually I'm going to get a break. Or You need to understand, God's plan for your life and will for your life is not that you just go through life and then when you can't do anything else, then you turn to Him for a miracle. God had rather be involved in your life at the beginning. And when your husband gets sick, he heals him. And when you're, if even, even to the point of, why didn't she go get him at the funeral? At the funeral, he could raise the dead. And why didn't at the funeral she run ahead and get the prophet and bring him and say, he's dead before I put him in the ground? No, because the truth of the matter is, we think a lot of times it's our responsibility to just deal with stuff. And the thing about it is, if you're willing to just deal with stuff, you're tying the miracle worker's hands because it's according to your faith God is a perfect gentleman the Bible says we have not because we ask not why was she not when the son was sick I mean the husband was sick did she not run to the prophet and say please come heal him he's sick at home they had healed leper they had Healed others. Why didn't she, when he was dead, say, raise him? Why didn't, when she missed her first payment, she run to God, or run to the prophet and say, what do I need to do before I start losing stuff? But the truth of the matter is, most of us go through life trying to live it the way we want to, do it the way we see fit or how we want to, and then when we find ourselves actually beginning to lose... Do we start looking for the miracle worker? You know, when I got the concept of he don't just have to be a savior. He can be a maker, too. In other words, I don't need him just to rescue me. But if I'll start seeking God out before things get bad. The bad things that come, God will use me through. And not just get me through. But what happens a lot of times is this. We're like, you know, the Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Why did they not wait till they got out of the fire to go after Jesus? Most Christians walk up looking to God after they're all burned and charred. And they're, you know, smelling like burnt and flesh is all charred. Like, God, I need you to save me. When God was saying, I wanted to be with you before. Most of us get in the habits of seeking God when things get so bad, or running to God. They call those foxhole Christians. 
We don't get a prayer life till things are so bad. We don't, you know, begin to get in our word till things are so bad. And this was never God's plan. This thing, it does not make God happy to see you suffer. Even when Jesus suffered, and Jesus knew what his, the will of God was for his life, and Jesus and him had this conversation about it in the garden, but there was a time when he was going through it, Jesus, God couldn't even watch it because it breaks God's heart when you go through things. But you know what breaks God's heart even more? When you go through things by yourself. Or you try to go through things and try to keep it together. It keeps God from getting to be God. Why didn't she come and say, my husband's sick, come. Why didn't she go, my husband died, come. Why didn't my mom, we're getting behind her. You would be shocked at how many people come into the church after they'd unlost everything. And they're like, I don't know what to do. And I agree, there is a part of ministry that be that. But I'm here to tell you this. It don't have to be that way. You don't have to run to God once you lose everything. You can run to God while you got everything. And what God will do is not just be able to keep it all with you, but He'll be able to put more on you as you go. God's plan for you is way bigger than what you can imagine. The Bible says, no eye has seen, no ear has heard the good things that God has in store for those who love Him. If you would make the decision that I don't just need a rescuer, but I need a God. I need a Lord in my life that will take me to what I need to be and not get me out of what I got myself in. We will find ourselves a lot of times not having to pray near as much. If she would have realized that distance from God is not okay. If she would have been right up with the prophet at the beginning when they were walking and the prophet started getting sick. I'm here to tell you, the prophet would have said, pop, you're done. And they would have kept going. But it's that distance. And I tell you, we live in a day now, it's, it's even contagious outside of the church world. It is so hard to get anybody excited about doing anything. Again, you can't get people to go back to work. Can't get people to go hang out anymore. Can't get people to go, well, you can't get people to go to church, period. I mean, that's what, if people would rather go to Walmart and say, I can't go to church because of COVID, and Walmart's got the pharmacy in it. So do you know where everybody goes that has COVID? All right, so it's, it's amazing how the enemy has tried to get people to pull back Not too far where they don't feel comfortable, but just at a distance. And if they can stay at a distance, you know, the Bible says Peter, who was called by God, the worst night of his life is he followed at a distance. When we find ourselves at a distance, that was the night that he he denied Christ. That was the night he cussed the girl out. That was the night that he felt... Like he had completely blown it. It was just to go back to be what I've always been. Because he was at a distance. I see this story and I know this. God's a miracle working God. So why did he let it get so bad? Because you have as much as God as you want. You're as close to God as you want to be. And if you only need God when you don't have anything else. When you're down, when he's your last resort. Then that's the God you get. And thank the Lord that He is a miracle-working God, or I wouldn't be here today. But I've learned this. I don't have to settle with going to Him when I've lost everything. I can decide to choose Him up front. I said, I will make it before I go through what I'm going to go through. I'm going to seek God. I'm going to get as close to God as I can. I'm going to pray in the morning. But see, when you, when you make that choice, your prayers change. See, she was praying, God... I need your help. I'm learning that if I'll seek God first, the Bible says all these things will be added to me, not subtracted from me, but added to me. And so my prayers can change. So instead of me saying, God, please, I get to say, God, thank you. There's a difference. There's a difference when you don't wait till things are so bad. He can do miracles on either spectrum. But it's better to say thank you for what God is doing than to say, please, please, I need you to take care of this. But it's your choice. And here, this is a sad story because she chose to do it like most of me and you do. We choose to actually put a little effort in when it's bad or... You know, actually try to make some commitments when it's bad. Commitments are easier to make when they're good. They're just harder to keep. All right? 
But let me tell you a secret too. They're easier to, um, they're harder to make when things are bad, but they're still hard to keep them too. You just have to decide, I'm going to make a commitment, I'm going to keep it. Man, it's easy to praise God when things are good. But if you don't, you're going to have to praise God when things are bad. The difference is, are you going to keep doing it when things are good and things are bad? Because here, even in the day we live in, I was at a real estate seminar just the other day. And they were talking about they can't get any realtors to even get up and show back up in the office. It's like the enemy used COVID in 2020 and 2019 to knock the wind out of people's ambition. And then we're legalizing weed that absolutely takes away people's ambitions. And, you know, people now, if we're not careful, I'm telling you, we're going to raise a generation that don't want to do anything that get up and watch TV, smoke their weed and get their check out of the mailbox. And I'm here to tell you this. That's not God's plan. God wants to use you greatly. God has great things in store for you. But you're not going to be able to do it, doing it from the back. There's going to be a generation, whether you're a part of it or not, that God's going to, that's going to raise up and realize, I'm not going to be at a distance. I'm not going to get God when I need Him. I'm going to go after God every day of my life, the good days, the bad days. And it's going to release His miracle working hand for my good, not for my salvation. And then it says this, it says, so I get off that soapbox real quick. I'm like, what time? Right, so, says, so she went and waited till they were dead. Then check it out. It says, so how do you do, how do you do what I'm telling you to do? It's so simple. Look at what the prophet said. So Elijah said to her, what shall I do for you? Now, that's a weird question because then all of a sudden, after he says that question, the entire conversation changes. And he starts saying, well, what do you got left? It was like two, because this is what I believe. I believe he responded to what he thought was a committed, sold out, strong Christian. She said, all this is going on. So, well, what do you want me to do? But see, because the difference between someone from the distance prayer life and someone right up involved's prayer life is this. The person that's involved, they're praying and telling God what they want their future to be. The person that does it from a distance, their prayer life is praying over what they're going through right now. And I can always tell the difference. What I mean by that, this was a lesson I had to learn. From the time you were a child, life has tried to stomp on you and make you quit dreaming. You've been through stuff. People have done stuff to you. Same thing to me. And then we go through an educational system in school where they say, quit daydreaming, get your head back in this room. Or quit daydreaming, quit daydreaming. How many guys were taught as a child, quit daydreaming? All right? I have all the time people ask me, well, how do I find the will of God for my life? You don't hear it from God. God made you. He created you. He says, I knew you before you were born. He said, I put you together, your inwardmost parts. What your destiny and your plan for God for your life is not out here. It's in here. And this is what the Bible says. The Bible says God gives you the desires of your heart. And, of course, the church took that and twisted it as in name it, claim it. That's not what that says. That says that the wants that you have were put inside of you because they're connected to what God put you here to do. And your desires, like Kelly... Works all year long to go to Africa to work in that orphanage. That's definitely a desire from God because i got to be honest with you. I work all year long to write a check so she'll go because I don't want to go to Africa. All right? That's a desire that God put in us differently, but they're both, you know, they're both can be used by God. So in other words, what you have on the inside of you is your, what, the desires that you have, the dream. You know, you're the only creature on the planet that has the ability to daydream. You're the only one that has the ability to sit and imagine what your life should, could, and you want it to be like. So that came from God. God gave you the desires of your heart. But the problem with it is because most of us have gotten up and life has beat us down and we've been through some junk and we've walked away at seasons where it was okay in our heart to serve God from a distance. We were part of the, we were a company of the prophets, but we weren't right up there with him. That what happens is life would knock us a blow or kick us around a bit. And then we start thinking that this is normal. And so just going through hard stuff and losing and 
dealing with issues and heartache and break. It's normal. And it's when we can't handle it anymore, we turn and ask God to help me. Miracle working God cause a miracle. That wasn't what God, God wanted you up here so that you could say this. Man, I have these desires in my life that I want to do this. And I want to do this. And I want to do this. And God wants your prayer life to be a, a, a daydream of what you could do for Him. And a matter of fact, I coined the word pray dream. See, when you're ex- knowing, expecting God of miracles to be involved in your life, your prayers change. Here it's, miracle God, save me. Here it's, miracle God, use me. Let me do this. Let me do this for you. And the Bible says we have not because we ask not. When's the last time you asked God to do something for you before you were in the middle of it? And I'm telling you, it's the truth. Most Christians have quit asking God about their future because they've gone through so much that they're just trying to deal with their present and their past. But the same hand of God I posted this, preparing this message last week, that parted the Red Sea to let the children go free was the same hand of God that pushed back the Jordan River and let them walk into the promised land. Which hand do you want working for you? Do you want to serve a miracle working God that goes before you and the Bible says makes every bumpy place straight and every crooked place level? Or do you want the hand of God involved in your life just trying to get the enemies away? Because it's up to us. We serve a miracle working God. And this is what it says. It says Elijah said, he looked at her and says, what shall I do for you? He was expecting her to have an answer of what she needed or what she wanted for God. In other words, she'd spent enough time praying about it. She spent enough time talking about it. She spent enough time dreaming how God could move a miracle in her life that she had an answer. But he realized she didn't. Because most of us don't. Most of us quit dreaming about what God can do with us and through us. And most of us are just asking God to move for us. And it's okay. You're just missing out on all that He has. And so then He looked at her and He said this. He said, what do you want me to do for you? I love it. Do you know, I wouldn't... See, we think that, you know, it's wrong to tell God what we want. The Bible says Abraham was sitting at a tree and he saw the presence of God come up. And he said, he jumped up and he ran to him and said, God, let me cook you a meal. Let me kill a fat lamb. Let me, let me, let me. And God said, okay, everything you said, do. And he said he did it. And then you know what God did next? God looked at him and said, this time next year, you're going to have a son. It's the first time he got a date to his promise. But it wasn't, Oh, God, give me... As a matter of fact, he prayed that prayer before. And it says he was sitting in his tent. He said, Oh, God, look around. I don't have any heirs and I don't have this and this. I'm going to have to leave everything you blessed me with to a a servant. And God said, Step outside your tent. And if you are able... It says most Christians won't stand up and be able. I'm telling you, we're watching things take place. They're not going to step up and say, You know what? I'm not going to live reactive. I'm going to serve the Lord proactive. And I'm going to decide that I serve a God of miracles. And what I'm facing and what I'm wanting to do may be way above my ability, but it's not above His. It may be... You want me to tell you how you know what God wants you to do? When it's bigger than you can do, He wants you to ask Him to do a miracle. Because He's a miracle-working God. The problem is most of us don't start asking for miracles until we're already under the giant's foot. Do you know what uh, me and Pastor Morris were talking this morning about giants? And I should have brought it, but I didn't. I've got a flip-flop that's this big. Literally, it's a flip-flop. And this is the biggest danger I see taking place. And that's keeping God from doing miracles on our behalf. There's a giant in the Bible named Og. And the Bible says that he was born. And it says that the only thing it tells us about him was... That he had a seven-foot bed. Then he said he died. The giants in the Bible always represent battles that we have to fight and victories God wants to give you. This spirit of complacency that has hit the church and hit America and hit the world is a giant that the enemy has sent. He's called it COVID and he's called it racial ditches. He's called us all these things. But it's a giant of complacency that you'll just get comfortable Not ever stepping out. You'll get comfortable not ever showing up. You'll get comfortable at a distance. 
As long as you're apart, but at a distance. I'm telling you, and it keeps the miracle working in. David did not wait for God to say, go kill that giant. He saw it and David said, let me go do this for you. If God showed up today and says, what do you want? What would be your answer? Would you ask for a salvation or would you ask for an escape? Or would you ask for a future? Most of us have no idea or no time or we haven't dreamed about a future. God, I want the best marriage you could ever imagine. When my prayer life started changing, I used to pray, God, protect my girl. Drop them off. I told you it's just a few weeks ago. It's changed in the last couple of weeks. I'd get my girls out of the car and be like, God, thank you for protecting them. Keep them well safe, out of danger as they go to school today. Apply the blood of Jesus on the top of their heads so keep them safe and have all things. I've changed it. Now, I don't pray when I drop them off at school like that. I get up in the morning, I say, I thank you, God, that you're putting the right teacher at the right place today and that you are giving them exactly what they have. You're putting good friends in their path. I'm starting to ask God for what I want. Amen. You say, Cricket, does it work? Let me tell you how it works. I was at Friday at their school and they do what they call the leader of the month. Each grade does a leader of the month. And we, our kids go to the largest elementary school in Alabama. There's 1,200 students in this elementary school. I have two daughters there, one in K-4 and one in 5th. And I drove around, I always pick up the K-4 one first. She got in the car and the teacher said, there's an important piece of paper in her backpack. Need you to look at it. I thought, oh, Lord, what did she do? All right, so I got, drove around to the other side of the school, picked up my 5th grader. She got in and said, hey, Dad, my teacher told me to give you this green piece of paper. And I thought, oh, Lord, I got they both in trouble. All right, pulled it out and it said... Your child has been chosen as student leader of the fifth grade of this school this month. And then I ripped out of the backpack, I pulled out, and my four-year-old was too. And I thought, man, I'm so proud of these girls. And that sounds cool and all that, but then when I went to the award ceremony Friday, we were walking down the hall, and the principal stopped me and Jen and said, did you have two kids win this? I said, no kid has ever, no family has ever had two kids win this at the same time. And i got to be honest with you. i got to be honest with you. My kids ain't that good. I love them, but I'm just going to be honest with you. They're not, but what is that? That is because I've been asking God for what I want, not just telling Him what I need, because a miracle working God doesn't want to just save you. He wants to bless you. And you've got to get to a term that I'm not going to wait till it's all bad to get a prayer life and start talking to Him. I'm not going to wait till it's all bad to get in the Word and find out what I need. I'm not going to wait till it's all bad to put myself in a place where God can use me. All right, I'm too long. Three minutes will be done. Say this. says, what shall I do? Are you, are, you, are you telling God what you want? Are you just asking God to get you out of the mess? Then the next thing he says is, well, tell me what you have. If you're like me, most of your life has been spent talking to God when you're in your mess. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And just living when things are not. And so he looked at her and he saw that it's well past what she wants. She, she's in so much mess, she don't even know what she wants anymore. She's just trying to survive. If you're here today and you're well past what you want and you're just trying to survive, I'm here to tell you God is a miracle-working God and He will work on your behalf and He can get you out of this mess. And she says, what do you have left? And she goes, I have nothing. Nothing. Look, I'm going to show you what a distance becomes. A distance discredits the most powerful thing you have in your life. The Bible says that, that we have the same Spirit... That raised Christ from the dead dwells in you. I'm here to tell you, if you're a believer and you have nothing, you still have more than what you need. She said, oh, wait a minute, wait a minute, I have nothing. She done looked at everything she'd lost, everything she'd been through, then got herself to a place where I can't do anything now, I don't have anything now, and discredited the very thing that God had put on the side. We all know that oil represents the Holy Spirit. And then she remembered, oh, wait a minute, I've got some oil. I want you to know something. The Holy Spirit is not what you got left. The Holy Spirit is everything and that's why you're here. That's why you hadn't been taken out before. The Holy Spirit actively involved in your life in front and behind. The Holy Spirit being involved in your life is not what you got left. It's not your last option. It's the greatest thing you have going for you. It is the thing that can change your life. It's the thing that can take an old nature and cause all things to be passed away and all things become new. The Holy Spirit says, all I got is a little oil. And this way he said, well, man, that's awesome. That's all you need. Now I'm going to tell you the secret to releasing 
miracle-working power into your life. I put this to the test my entire life. Y'all saw me read. Y'all know this. If anybody shouldn't be standing up here, it's me. I have a third-grade reading level because of learning disabilities. I'm dyslexic. I'm ADD. I'm ADHD. And I say that wrong every time. I know, but I have all of these things that say you should never be teaching people. You should. And i got to be honest with you. I always hate having to read anything in front of anybody because I know. But the thing about it is this. It's not about what I am. It's about what I have. And it, it, a miracle is something that God does that will far exceed any of your expectations, but also position you in places of the impossible that you can never get there on your own. I've got to be honest with you. You're not here to see me preach. You're only here because of the Holy Spirit. And the thing about it is this. You got Him too. When you say, I have nothing left, my marriage is over, you've got the Holy Spirit. And He was able to raise Christ from the dead. You understand, this wasn't just a Lazarus thing come out of a grave, or this just wasn't a little boy thing, you know, um, sneezed and breathed. This wasn't a dead daughter thing that, you know, she'd only been dead a few minutes. Jesus had been beaten, punched, whipped to where the Bible describes Him as a dog hanging on a tree. Didn't even look like a man. And that spirit that came inside that body had the power to not just bring life back and start things new. It went back and fixed everything this world had tore up and ripped apart. You think you're giving you don't think you got a marriage left? Allow the Holy Spirit to do a work. You don't think you got a dream left? Allow the Holy Spirit to do a work. But this is the sea we say, well, cricket, how do I let the Holy Spirit do a work? You gotta make Two decisions. One, you decide this ain't about me no more. It ain't about me no more. He told her, he said, the secret's going to be this. Go get some vessels. And then he went into exact detail about the vessels. He said, empty vessels. In other words, your miracle's connected to your ministry. And I'm going to be honest with you. Your life is not going to have purpose in the joy and the hope until you connect your life into your ministry. You were born in purpose for ministry. The Holy Spirit is in you for ministry. And the Bible says that, He said, go get empty vessels. See, most of us want the miracles for ourselves. And God wants you to know, He does miracles not for yourself, although the miracle will save you. But He wants to do miracles in your life so that those around you that are watching Well, no, there's a miracle working God. Everything points back to God. Everything has to bring Him glory. And you say, well, Craig, I need God to get me out. Then find a way to bring God the glory for the miracle to come. He said, go get empty vessels and bring them into the house. This is personally. i got to be honest with you guys. I'm blessed. I am. And I've been through some hell and back. If you've been with me long, you know it. And why does God keep doing things on my behalf? It's not because I'm that good of a guy or I'm that special. I've just decided if I'm going to go down, I'm going to go down trying to do something that will bring glory to God. And I have gotten to the bottom a bunch of times. But every time I did, I decided, all right, if I go out, I'm at least going to get somebody what I have before I do. And I will take the side that the Holy Spirit on the inside of me and they don't have him. They need Him too. And I will get them in. I tell you, I spend my life inviting people to church. Not because I'm a church boy or a preacher. I invite invite people to churches all over the country because of this reason. I know if I can get an empty vessel into a house and the Holy Spirit starts pouring and flowing, that they're going to get transformed. And what God will do in that vessel is actually what He's doing for me. And it's amazing how... Do you want to know why she was able to be okay from a distance? It's because it was all about her. It was all, everywhere Elijah went was about other people. He went to widow's house. You know, he went to kings. You know, it was all about everybody else. The company of guys hanging out in the back, it was about them. They're in this thing for them, what they are, what they're a part of. But you got if you want to get a miracle, you got to step out and you got to say, all right, I'm going to make my life about somebody else. I'm going to get every person I know that doesn't have the Holy Spirit, the presence of God in their life, into a house where when God begins to move, they're going to be moved. You say, well, Cricket, you don't know, I got all these issues. It didn't, it, she, it didn't say 
that pay your debt off and then go get the vessels. Say, so go get the vessels. It's amazing how God's ministry in your life will be the thing that will bring you out of the mess you got yourself into. And then it said this. It said that they came in, they closed the door, and then the, the, the vessel started pouring. And what she... See, the thing about it is, if you read the story, she didn't do what she was told. It's amazing. He told her to go get the vessels, and she didn't. He told her to go ask her neighbors, and she didn't. How many of you guys are that way? You know you're supposed to be ministering to somebody on the job, you know, and you're just not doing it. But she didn't. That's what the Bible says. It says her sons did. Her sons, read the story. It says her sons went and got the vessels and brought them into the house. She did not get involved in the story except for begging until it came time for the pouring. And it says that she began to pour out what she had into the empty vessels. You have no idea the power that you carry on the inside of you. The Holy Spirit on this, the same power that raised Christ from the dead. You can walk up to somebody, an empty vessel, and you can speak one word of encouragement to them. And what the power on the inside of you will come out of you and flow into them, have the power to transform their life. And that very miracle will be the thing that reflects back on you and God uses to change your life. Every time you get an opportunity to pour into somebody else's life, you're releasing a miracle into yours. Works in every aspect of your life. I, this is me personally, and I'm, I'm saying it. When I understood this, I decided no one is going to ever outgive me financially in my life to me personally. Not talking about tired of church. If you know me, if you hang out with me, you would know this to be true that I give people money. I give people money, I'll pay for their stuff. It's not because I'm a nice guy, it's not because I have all the money in the world. I've learned the process of pouring out so that God can pour in. I sow, I give into the church and stuff like that, but I also like to, when I find somebody in need, I give to them. That's why my wife does not allow me to carry money in my wallet. Because I never come home with it, doesn't matter how much it is. Because I understand this principle. I'm going to pour out, pour out, pour out. Because I know this. If you will pour out into people's lives, it ain't just money, joy. If you say cricket ain't got nothing but just some oil, good. Then go use your oil. Tell somebody you love them. Tell somebody, give them a joy. You see somebody going, you allow yourself to be a poorer and you'll find God as a filler. You will never run dry. You will never be empty. You may go through some things, but there's more in you you than you could ever imagine. If you'll position yourself in a house, whether it be this church or any church, and you decide, I'm not going to let an empty pew be okay until I have an empty vessel sitting in every one of them, and then I'm going to show up every Sunday and I'm going to pour out in some way. I'm either going to greet at the door. I'm going to hug a neck at the thing. I'm going to serve at the bread. I'm going to pour out. You cannot outpour God. Even if it comes to the point where He drains Himself. That's what He did on the cross. He poured every bit of it out. But it was more than enough the men you ever needed. I want to pray with you real quick. We don't have time to get on through the rest of it. But I just want to tell you this. I feel like the Lord told me there's people in here today that are so deficient in areas in your life. You're so empty that you've just, the enemy's convinced you that it's normal to go through life this way. I'm here to tell you, sir, from miracle working God, this is not normal. And you're going to have to get to a place where you're not okay with it. You have to go back to they did in the days of old. If you need something, you cry out to God for it. And you live close enough to God for it that He can hear you. And so, when the enemy tries to bring things in, you'll walk through them. You know, the Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego did not walk around with singed hair. Daniel did not walk around with lion bites. They walked into that thing knowing they serve a miracle-working God. And they worked out of that thing, serving a miracle working God. And they poured into every life around them and they changed nations. God wants to use you the same way. I'm here to tell you, God's big enough to fix whatever you're dealing with today. If you're sick, He can heal you. If you're broken, He can mend you. If you're discouraged, He can fill you full of joy. If you're depressed, He can give you hope. All you have to do is ask Him. And I believe the word of the Lord is this today. And I'll put my reputation on His reputation. Ask Him this morning what it is you want. I want to ask you the same thing the prophet said. What do you want? Don't ask Him to fix it or get you out. What do you want? 
Do you want to know the miracle working God? Do you want your kids to be so in love with Him that it changes everything? Do you want your husband to want to follow Jesus so bad that the fruits of the Spirit pour all off of Him, all onto you? What do you want from Him? Because He's going to get you through. And you're going to come out. But He wants to use you while you're doing it. Because He wants you to become the miracle that changes the world around you. So I want to pray. You say, Cricket, I'm empty. And I need to be filled. I believe there's enough of the Holy Spirit in this room here today that He can pour and fill you up so you at least got something to walk out in to pour in others. Say, Cricket, I'm empty. Just simply raise your hand. I want to pray for you. I'm deficient. I'm depleted. I need the Holy Spirit to pour into my life. Father God, I thank you right now, even in this room. While we're together, we know your presence is here. Lord, I ask you right now to begin to pour out your Spirit. Father God, I thank you that you're healing sickness in this room because you're a miracle working God. Sickness, death, disease has to leave right now in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father, that you're filling with joy, unspeakable joy to where it's unexplainable. I thank you that you're supplying peace right now. The thing that they walked in here with that they were so tormented in that right now you're causing the storm to cease inside of them even while they're walking through the storm on the outside. Fill them full, Lord. I thank you, God, that you have a call on every single person in here. And that, God, when they step into that, that your miracle-working power begins to flow in them and through them. And they will begin to change the world in Jesus' name. Amen.